Welcome back, everyone, to Triple T Transport's Stay in Your Lane podcast. I'm your host, John Maley. Today, we've got uh, OIDA Executive Vice President Louis Pugh with us. Uh, the reason uh, we have Louis on is uh, we want to gain some perspective uh, in our industry. Uh, 90% of our trucks, you've heard me say it many times, are carriers with one to five trucks. A lot of owner-operators in our industry here in the trucking business and supply chain here in North America. Louis, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure as always. Well, if I'd have known you were an Ohio guy, I'd have got you on here a lot sooner. <laughs> That's right. We guess Buckeyes got to stick together. That's right. Very, very good. I couldn't have said it better. So my question for you is we're seeing a lot of regulatory changes, uh, more so in the past 12, 24 months in our industry than we've ever seen in years. You know, I don't think over the road, long haul trucking is probably the segment where the uh, electric vehicles are probably uh, going to be able to step up and compete and bring value. And And I don't know that people understand how difficult in the disruptions in our supply chain can be. What are the members of OIDA sharing with you? Yeah, I think you're right. And I think we've been inundated not only for the last couple of years, but for the last since 2010, trucking has really been inundated with regulation after regulation after regulation. Unfortunately, most of them have fallen a lot short of what they were intended to do, um, which was increase safety. And as we know, that hasn't happened. But yeah, with this whole stuff that we're seeing coming out of EPA, my members are very concerned. Um, probably it's safe to say pretty upset and i understand firsthand why we went through all this in 2011 when the trucks came out eps put these mandates on manufacturers to make these engines compliant and all this stuff and as we know caterpillar for one they just pulled out because they said they couldn't do it and you know left these other engine manufacturers and we saw a lot of trial and error and a lot of bad things happen and a lot of small business guys get wiped out i mean i don't I had a 2012 truck, new, bought it new myself. I don't like to say I'm a victim because I was able to get through it. But, you know, I definitely, it definitely was hard on my business. I'm very thankful that I had a good, good, solid relationship with my dealer. And and then the the manufacturer also stood behind my their product probably by the behest of the dealer. But at the end of the day, that's what helped me. But... Trucking is it's just constant, never ends. That trucking, they're always looking at trucking. They're always going after trucking for clean air. We all know that trucks are pretty daggone clean nowadays. Maybe it's time that we back off and we let manufacturers come up with what's the future and without being so much mandated to do it. We all want clean air. Who doesn't want clean air? We want clean water. We want clean environment. You know, there was a time when the river was on fire in cleveland a long long time ago we've done so many things to help the environment but like so many things in washington it seemed like what starts out as a good thing it always goes too far and now we're getting to where we're going too far because we're hindering business we're hindering people we're putting people out of business and that's the concern of my members is going to be 2011 2.0 you know all over again and maybe worse and, you know, there's so many unanswered questions about electric and all these other things. You brought up a big, a good point. It probably did start 
in 2010 um, with CSA 2010, uh, you know, the logbook changes, the ELDs. Uh, if I look at that objectively, they said it was going to, you know, uh, save a lot of lives, stop so many accidents. And I think when you, when you regulate to that level, you're going to drive your allotted hours once your clock starts because that's what you have, whether you should be or shouldn't be. It became more about time on the truck where shippers had to change the way they were doing things. Trucks became less efficient by, what, 24% initially just going to an ELD? So, you know, that put a, a push on prices and, and changed the picture from a driver's wage perspective a lot. Uh, and I don't know that we have seen a, a value from a safety perspective. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, now we, we've got multiple things going. We've got EPA uh, regulations that I think uh, Mr. Manchin, uh, you know, helped uh, get stopped for next year in California because I don't think it was attainable by any of the manufacturers. And if I can add, that was at the behest of OIDA. We were the one pushing and had the relationship with Manchin explaining how bad this was going to impact small business trucking. Right. And I think, I think when you're an arm's length or two from the industry, you don't understand and see what really goes on in the day-to-day. Understanding what the drivers deal with, what they have to put up with, and navigating it in and out. And they wonder why a lot of people don't go into the industry any longer. You know, So we've got that. We've got the uh, electric option, which is uh, three times as expensive, uh, grossly overweight for um, you know, uh, uh, scaling capacity. Maybe a good solution, regionally short, if uh, I think, uh, was it Kenworth, uh, we're waiting to uh, have a podcast with Kenworth. They've got a new T680 out there taking orders on for 2025 that's a, a hydrogen hybrid, I believe, of some sort. Uh, so it's going to be hydrogen powered and have, you know, 400 miles of range or so, um, or up to 400 miles of range. And, you know, I think that probably would fit a bill, but after talking to the uh, representatives at the ATA, uh, you know, a truck from the 80s to now, you can run 60 trucks on the road from a carbon footprint perspective compared to one truck in the 80s. From late 80s, early 90s technology to now, it's, it's, it's night and day, and, and, and the trucks are very, very clean. What I think we always forget in these conversations, especially when it comes to these APA stuff, and it's the thing I always bring up. First of all, there's no such thing as zero emissions because something has to be manufactured. So somewhere along the way, there's emissions, whether it's making it, whatever. Maybe that truck doesn't put off any going down the road, but it put off emissions being built or something. There's Or the power for the batteries. There's some sort of emission there. And I remind people that. You know, so that's the first thing that we have to think about. But second of all, nobody ever talks about the unintended consequences of 2011 when all this stuff happened. We ended up with plastic jugs from DEF everywhere, and they're still out there. Now, granted, a lot of truck stops have added pumps and stuff like that, but not everyone has it, so guys are still buying them jugs. If you have a pickup truck or you live at home, a lot of people there, they're buying them at the auto parts store. So we put all these plastic jugs out there. 
the fuel mileage went down. And I think it's gotten back up and they've gotten it improved. But fuel mileage went down, so now we had to drill more oil, haul more oil, refine more oil. So, you know, there's all that fingerprint or thumbprint. And then the countless amount of downtime and inefficiency that added to the supply chain because there were so many problems with these trucks that the shops got inundated. You were, I mean, I wasn't, fortunately, like I said, a good deal. But a lot of guys were weak, two weeks down, constantly down. This truck was down. That, you know, it was a monthly or bi-monthly thing. So that puts how much more trucks out there on the road. And even with a little bit of emissions, they're putting more out there. And, and then the final thing I bring is all the parts. Because it seemed like every other month I'd take my truck and have a sensor or some this part or the, the greatest, this is the latest and greatest EGR valve or whatever. So right. all these parts are being dumped into landfills and boxes and the shipment of these parts and the manufacturing of all these parts. So trucks were pretty daggone efficient before 2011 because they pretty much got the electronic motor manual mastered in fact they did it was mastered they were great they got good fuel mileage they burned pretty clean was there a little so yeah but all my question and i've never heard anybody say is when you take all this stuff that i was talking about and put it against what trucks were putting out did we save anything that maybe we got more i don't know but it's a question i'd love to hear answered by somebody someday because we never talk about these unintended consequences of any of this stuff no, you, you bring up a great point. I think that that for so many, it's an emotional thing. Not, you know, they. It's like the electric cars. Uh, nobody talks about the, the 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 big bump that the electric cars have driven into the coal industry. Because we need to make power. We got to make electric power. So. You know, I heard one person say that, you know, the electric cars have been the biggest friend of the coal industry that we've seen in many years because <laughs> we don't have enough electricity. Now, Andrew Boyle, if you saw him on Capitol Hill, I'll bring this up. You know, he mentioned, you know, them if, uh, if they wanted to put a facility and tee up a facility for 30 units, uh, the power company says this is some kind of joke. You're talking about a five, six megawatt application. We can't, we don't have that kind of power. That's more than the whole city uses, whole city of Chicago. So, you know, we're not there. And that may not be the end result best solution in many instances. And some it should be, or it could be. We don't know. But a $40,000 um, shove to, to go to the electric, and that just covers, you know, barely the taxes, I think if it if the technology has evolved, it should stand on its own and be a viable option and make sense to do it mathematically. If we're taxpayers and subsidizing it, trying to force it through when it doesn't really fit, then that's another thing. I couldn't say it better myself. I say, and I said this last week, just last week, I testified in front of Western Caucus when he's talking about these same things. And I said then, what made America great was capitalism. Now, has there been a few bumps along the way? Sure. Have we done everything right? Probably not. 
But at the end of the day, the reason that this young country, which is still a young country when you really look at every time of the world, Correct. the way we became a superpower and so good so fast was capitalism and free market. And we allowed businesses to figure out what worked, we what you could send to market, and what the end consumer would buy. And that's... That's how electronic engines, I remember when the electronic engines first came out. And I was just a young, dumb kid just getting into trucking. And so many of the older guys were like, we don't want them electronic things. We want our old mechanical. We put the spring. You know, nobody is open to change per se. But it didn't take long to prove that the electronic engines were better. They were more efficient. They did run better. And guess what happened? Once that was proven... The industry embraced it, bought them, took them, ran them, used them, and it was great for everybody. You know, so trucking's a business. At the end of the day, it's a whether you've got one truck or ten thousand trucks, it's a business. And most business owners that are successful, if not all, I would think, are always looking for a cheaper, more efficient way to do things. And so, if you can bring technology, whether it's hydrogen or electric or whatever, some kind of hybrid, I don't know. If you can bring that to the industry and it works and there's a place to fuel it and all the things that we need and it's more efficient and cheaper, industry's going to embrace it and buy it, not because it's just because it makes good sense. Right. So we don't need to mandate that. <laughs> and no, we continue to do these things. You know, we do them from safety. We do them for the environment. We do all these things. But we don't really think it through. It's just like putting our hand down when there's easier, better ways to do it, in my opinion. Well, uh, Louie, I do appreciate you being on with us today. Uh, I love the thought, the, the genuine, uh, down-to-earth perspective. Um, we're on the same wavelength. Again, we all want the same thing. We want clean air. Want to be, you know, want to do uh, the right thing by our our peers, our environment. We want to be a leader. Uh, but it needs to work from an application perspective. Exactly. We've got to be realistic. <laughs> yep. No rainbows and unicorns. Um, thank you again. And uh, we look forward to having you on in the future. That's great. And thanks for having me. It's been my pleasure. And, and thanks to all the men and women out there behind the wheel for doing what you do. We much appreciate it. And we couldn't have anything if it wasn't for you all. Absolutely. Absolutely.